You know what I was thinking? What? Everyone who has lived in Mobile, Alabama for the past year has mm-hmm. actually been stuck inside of Mobile. <laughs> the question is whether they have or have ever had the Memphis Blues. And if so, for us, for more, more than once, <laughs> for a second time. <laughs> There's actually quite a number of criteria you need to meet in order for that title to apply to you. Sounds, the podcast that breaks down the Beach Boys' seminal album, Pet Sounds. I'm Cecilia. And I'm Gil. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome to Song 2 of Side 2. There's so much that I have to say about this song, but before we get into it, uh, I think there are a couple loose ends to tie up from last week. We had been talking about covers of various sort of standards, if we're going to use that term. Um, And you had commented that it didn't seem like the prominent or preeminent, I guess, recording artists of that generation and the generation before uh, had really taken to God Only Knows as far as recording it or, you know, covering it live or anything like that. Right. The way they did with something or Bridge Over Troubled Waters. Yes, that's correct. And what I've found in the research I've done since is that that is the case. God Only Knows has more become a belated cover classic. And I think it has achieved classic status at this point, but it's more sort of the generations following the Beach Boys who have taken to it. My favorite version was done by John Legend and Cynthia Erivo a few years ago. I think it was 2017. Um, And that one, they work with this ensemble called Y Music, who are a, a small kind of classical collective. And they basically arrange all of the vocal parts for orchestra. Like it it sounds very much all of the notes that you recognize from the original recording appear in this version. They're just being played by horns and cellos and things like that. Um, And then you shared an article with me just recently, uh, which I found very interesting. And I think you did too. Yes, because we were talking about um, Brian's uh, hearing issues. And we were wondering, you know, when that happened, right? Is that a later, you know, um, did did he just hear things differently than other people and why? And the, uh, the... the fact that he that he has hearing problems, and uh, so I went looking, and uh, there's an article from uh, Q Point, 
and this comes from November second, twenty sixteen, which and it's an it's a uh, an excerpt from I am Brian Wilson, um, co-authored uh, with Ben Greenman, and uh, it starts off. This excerpt is really weird because it starts off with uh, talking about. Uh, uh, the father of uh, the Beach Boys, um, of the Wilson brothers, and talking about how my dad was violent, he was cruel, et cetera. And then you start thinking, oh my goodness, um, that's not good. This isn't going to go some, you know, go someplace, um, you know, any, it's not going to go anywhere good. But well, anyway, and the title can can I mention that? Oh yes. The title of the of the excerpt is "Getting Hit in the Head with a Lead Pipe." made Brian Wilson a better musician. So having that context and reading about Murray, you think, oh no, right. <laughs> something, but, there's a cataclysmic event about <laughs> to happen between these two people. But the good news is, yes, Brian Wilson was in fact hit in the head with a lead pipe, but it wasn't by his father. So I mean, the kind of the, so the good news is kind of a low <laughs> bar, if you will. News. But um, here, well, when I was out playing- Oh, okay. When I was out playing in my neighborhood between my house and another, a kid hit me in the head with a lead pipe. His name was Seymour, I think, either his first or his last. The feeling was just shock at first, but the next day I realized I couldn't hear as well out of my right ear. I told my mom and she took me to the doctor who examined me and said that the eighth nerve in my head was severed. I say that my right ear is completely deaf, though doctors are more specific. Some say 98% and some say 95%. The ear affected me deeply for the rest of my life. So, yes, in fact, you know, sort of his musical career has, you know, was partially formed by this bad, uh, bad um, hearing. So, or this loss of hearing in one of his ears. So there we go. I was really struck by the eighth nerve. I'm like, how, how did the doctor know it was the eighth nerve? Where are we counting from? Well, maybe I guess it's I, a good thing that I don't know that because it means that I've never had any issues with any of the nerves in my head. Yes, uh, but very good. Yes, that's that. That's true. Because the more the more precise you can be about that sort of thing. Yes, the more experience you've had, and that's usually not good experience unless you're trained and have been trained as a physician of some kind. Mm. So there we but go. He also but anyway, the foundation was there because he also talks about sort of sharing the musical instinct that his grandfather had, his father's father. Um, and, and he, he mentioned, you know, Murray and his grandfather, Buddy, coming to California and like living in a tent on the beach. And they had come from Kansas. And that tells me everything I need to know, because nothing good happens in Kansas ever. Well, that's not true. You can't, you can't. The Wizard of dismissing... Oz in cold blood. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need to know anymore. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, fair enough, but you've just uh, you've just uh, offended potentially one fiftieth of the uh, United States uh, citizenry. What's the and that's not good. In Kansas, and how many of them do you think are listening to this podcast? I don't know. Hey, real quickly, if you're from Kansas and listening, please come, you know let us know, and maybe you can come on the podcast and talk right. about odd sounds. <laughs> like, no, come on the podcast and, and convince me that Kansas is a good state. I, I'm, I'm glad to kind of have this context with the lead pipe, which sounds, yeah. uh, as we commented, you know, very 
clue-like, you know. And then Brian was hitting the head with a pipe, with a lead pipe, in uh, in, in the, the library, kitchen, in the garage. Yeah. Right. But uh, but I <laughs> must because I always I I you know since last week I've been I just kept running that scene from It's a Wonderful Life in my head, where uh, the drunk uh, pharmacist is angry at uh, um, at the young Jimmy Stewart because he didn't deliver the pills and he didn't deliver the pills because um, the drunk pharmacist had put uh, the wrong pills, poisonous pills in this prescription um, because he was broken up about his uh, learning that his son had just been killed in the war. But anyway, so he, you know, but he, so he whacks him on the side of the head uh, several times and his ear starts bleeding. And it's from that point on that uh, the young George Bailey has, uh, has hearing problems. So I kept thinking, oh no, it's something like that with Brian. But I'm 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 glad that it was Seymour, whoever he was, Mr. Seymour or Seymour whatever, uh, who hit him with a lead pipe. Although the the book is very unclear about why Seymour would hit Brian Wilson in the head with a lead pipe. Was it intentional? Was it accidental? Was it supposed to be funny? Was it, you know, whatever. Anyway, so but anyway, yeah, I mean, um, if you're going to hit someone hard enough to cause hearing loss, I I would have a hard time believing it was entirely accidental. I think there would have to be some intention behind it. Maybe they were fooling around, but, okay. but maybe something happened. And it just it just seems like an entirely accidental or, you know, injury wouldn't be that severe. Right. Well, do it. Yeah. I mean, clearly they were, even if it was accidental, they were doing, doing something that wasn't very smart. Let's put yeah. it that way. Right. So yeah, it again, was a stupid yeah, again, thing to do. Why right. do they have access to lead pipes? Well, and what yeah, were they doing yeah. with it? So, you find things, yeah. you find things, you, you know, we've, we have a, we have a, you know, metal pipe in our, uh, in our garage right now. Just to let you know. Um, okay, well, don't hit anyone with it. <laughs> certainly not someone who's going to become a famous musician. Or maybe well, if I do, that, that person <laughs> will become, yes, maybe that person will become a famous musician. A, well, don't a go world testing class. Your theory. Okay, fair enough. That's not a good look for emerging from pandemic <laughs> isolation. That would be the literal definition of coming out swinging. And, uh, <laughs> and I would advise against it. I'll hit myself with a lead pipe, see if I can become a famous musician. Honestly, knowing your um, handiness with tools, you might end up doing just that. <laughs> wow. Thank you very hey, much. You... But it's true. It's true. No, I, it's, it's, I did not say anything that you haven't already said about yourself. That would be true as well. That would be true as well. <laughs> I am going to come out of the gate and say something that might surprise you. Okay. I think this might sneakily be my favorite song on the entire record. Wow. That's a huge statement coming from you. I love this song. I think the orchestration is perfect. There is absolutely not a single thing I would change about it. The lyric is so funny and we'll talk, we'll talk about it and about the iterations it went through. <laughs> I, I think all of the choices that are made in it are, are just wonderful, and I never get tired of hearing them. All right. Well, th there's going to be some, you're going to have to do some convincing here with me. Well, I like I, the song. 
I don't even care if I convince you or not. It's not going to change my feeling about the song. And you're entitled to feel the way you feel. Yeah, I know. But I want to, I, so I want to hear, I want to hear what you have to say. Because I, I, the song is, is, is very good. Or it, it fits very well on this album. Um, but, I, you know. It's it ain't Irving Berlin if you ask uh, if you ask me. So none of um, this is Irving Berlin. <laughs> That's the point. If you want Irving Berlin, go listen to Kate Smith. I was just singing "Doing What Comes Naturally" early today for some reason. Oh, there you go. Good Don't for know you. why I was thinking of it. Um, we stand Ethel Merman. This is a pro Ethel Merman podcast. Just so you guys know. Definitely. And I like the fact that this comes after God only knows because now he's saying I know. Even Ooh. if he doesn't know what the answer is, Ooh, I know I like there's that. an answer. No, the question is whether he knows what the answer is. And when we get to the chorus, I'm going to probe that. That's a, that's a, that's that's central, I think, to this song. Knowing that there is an answer and knowing what the answer is, two very different things. Oh yeah. But let's. Uh, I'm sure you have facts and and details about this about the recording. So let's start there. You bet I have facts. In fact, a friend of mine just called me yesterday, Ms. Facts. All right, so it was written by Brian, and the primary lyricist was their road manager, Terry Sacken. Sacken? I texted you about this pronunciation because I, I don't know how to say it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going with Sacken. Sacken, okay. Yeah. Sacken so C-H is a, Yeah, there you go. But I, that could be wrong. Terry, if you're around... Hey, if you want to come on the podcast and tell us how to pronounce your name, come on down. Um, so I, th I think he was the primary lyricist. And then Mike came in and made some changes. Because, okay, the whole genesis of this song, the original name of the song was Hang On To Your Ego. And I'll talk more about that once we get into the lyrics. But Mike objected strongly to the original lyric, which... The, the idea had sort of been conceived about an acid trip or possibly during one of Brian's acid trips. And Mike called it a doper song. He just was not having it. He didn't, he didn't think it was healthy for them to go in that direction at all didn't, as far didn't, as propagating that as a band or in, in their material. Right. Not a, uh, not, a Beach Boys, uh, not a Beach Boys brand kind of thing. There's, a, there's sort of an urban legend or an apocryphal story where in the middle of recording, Mike kind of takes off his headphones and hisses at Brian, don't fuck with the formula. <laughs> so, you know, but, but they did, I mean, they did have a, a formula established and Brian is sort of, sort of veering off of it more and more. And I think maybe this was just the point, you know, there had been a lot of departures from what they were used to. This, this whole album has been one giant departure basically right and maybe this was just mike's breaking point he was like i can't do this anymore i this is where i draw the line this is where <laughs> i put my foot down so who knows so i think that the song is just as interesting for the dynamic it created or destroyed within the band as for the song itself which is an excellent song but seriously, if Mike were any more of a wet blanket, Ringo could have stuffed him inside his drums and played Tomorrow Never Knows. You know? <laughs> Come on, man. 
Well, but, you know, I mean, you don't want wood, you know, um, a lot of times when artists are given unfettered control and they're surrounded by people who just say yes, that's not necessarily good for artistic creation, is it? The, the arrangement, the orchestration was already in place by the time the lyric was questioned or sort of okay. the, the right. alterations came into play. So the, and I, I even think that it's on the version, the, the edition of the release that we have on CD, the original lyric. Yes, that's true. And so if, if I remember correctly and I don't have it in front of me and I haven't listened to it, but if I remember correctly, you know, the only thing that changes is the words. And even then, some of the words are still intact. So we'll we'll get into it when we listen. And that's the end of my notes anyway. So do you have okay, any, no, any notes yourself or should we get into Nothing that I just, because my, my main point is that idea of God only knows uh, song before and then here. I know there's an answer. So that 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 knowing, that idea of knowing is uh, is key here. So All right. Well, let's get to the knowing then. Okay, the first track I included is an instrumental one, or sort of the, the beginning of the song, sans vocals, because that introductory section remains the same between that version and the regular vocal track. And because I really want you to pay attention to that bass. I love the flattened bass, the dum dum dum, that second note. That's, that's a flattened, t so, so because we sort of go from like do to soul and then that note in between is not t because t is the the normal leading tone that goes up to do okay right as you may remember from the song but the flattened version is called tay so if you if you move it down half a step it becomes tay a lot of bass lines do this i think in rock and roll it's sort of a staple and it's one of my absolute favorite things I love when they do that because they're not, that note is not naturally occurring. That's why it's flat and not natural. And it's just such a cool sound because it's a whole step lower than what everything else is playing. And it creates this, not exactly dissonance, but just this richer chord. And I really like that. And another song that I, I'll mention that does that at the end of every, sort of in the transition, at the end of every refrain into the next verse is Dylan's stuck inside of Mobile with the Memphis Blues again. It was when I heard that, that was one of the first things that told me I really like this song. Can we listen to it again now? Yeah. Totally. All right. Because 
what you know because what i you know the the dominant thing is that is it is it the saxophone oh yeah yeah the saxophone is a a big that's big player yeah okay so um but anyway let's hear so we're we're listening for once again what are we specifically listening for okay listen to the three note figure that the bass plays every single time okay here we go See, there you go. Okay, I heard it that that time. time. Yeah, okay. That thing. So what's, well, let's, I think, if if you have nothing else to say, let's move on, because then I'm going to ask at some point, so what about the bass, right? What's the bass doing, Um, you know, in connection to the larger, the larger song? Okay. That's always, that's always going to be my question. Okay. Okay. That's always going to be my my question for you. That okay. That's a cool thing to notice. So what? Right. Okay, All right. Here well, we go. I'm gonna I'm gonna forewarn you then that I will not always have a response to that. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, that's Mike and Al singing lead on the verses, and then Brian will take over for the chorus. I know so many people. All right, so here's that that verb, right? I know, right? But it's okay. I know so many people who think they can do it alone. They isolate their heads, so there's that that loneliness again or that solitariness. They isolate their heads and stay in their safety zones. Now, what can you tell them and what can you say that won't make them defensive. I love that line. I love those those sort of rhetorical questions being posed in the second section of the verse or the pre-chorus, if you want to call mm-hmm. it that, because that will return in the second verse. Um, I love that. You know, what can you say that won't make them defensive? Like, wow, how do you respond to that? And I, well, but and it's that it's those people who feel they can do it alone, who, who try to do it alone and they don't want input. They don't want, uh, help. They don't want, uh, um, any sort of, uh, input from those around them because it's going to take them out of their safety zones. Yeah. And actually in response to your base question, I do in, in listening to the way that the bass moves through that verse, I think I actually might be able to mount a defense for my lavishing such attention on the bass, which is that, well, first of all, the voices mimic that flattened tay, that note below do, because the voices go, I know so many people that that's tay on, on the word so. That's what that is. They're moving the vocal line and the bass line are 
sharing notes and swapping notes. So we've already got this kind of slightly lopsided scale, if you will. It's not a pure scale because not all of the notes are naturally occurring. And then as the bass moves on throughout the verse, it's actually, it's, and I guess we won't really hear it until we get to the chorus, but the bass is giving you clues as to which chord and which key we're heading toward. Okay. All right. We're sort of moving because at the end, um, the end of that verse, the bass goes, um, dum, 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 dum. And then, then being there at the kind of coming back to do, that's what's going to be our chorus, the first chord of the chorus. Another song that does that, that I can recall, is a, a little bit later. Paul Simon's Was a Sunny Day from There Goes oh. Simon Simon. Right. <laughs> and it's um, it's just it's a very pleasant thing to listen to because because it's a linear thing it shows you very clearly this is where we are and this is where we're going it's not okay. just leaving you on your own which is interesting given that and and maybe this is that's that's part of the song too because when you when when other people tell these people who think they can do it alone they're they're i think they're trying to help right they're trying to be helpful they're trying to be uh positive. Yeah, they're trying to reach it's out not, and and right. make a connection yeah so it's it's not and it, it's not meant to be an attack but that there's nothing you can say that won't make them defensive i do like the uh whatever the what whatever the background uh vocals are doing right after now what can you tell them um, yeah, that, they're just right, kind, kind of, of a fun little kind of thing. Syllables, yeah, kind of ah ah do 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 do. Yeah, that wasn't something I noticed. I think in my first few listens, but as as it went along, it became more apparent to me. And that organ in the background is just shimmering. That's that's a really nice implementation. Okay, before we say anything about it, there was a saxophone line that was sort of in the middle of that during the Pet Sound sessions that was then struck or kind of didn't make the cut for the final version. Um, and it went, it sort of responded to the vocal line. It was like, doo -doo 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 -doo, doo -doo 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 -doo. and it, it's really, it was really cool to listen to and it made enough of an impression that I now sort of hear it in my head automatically when I listen, even <laughs> though it isn't it. there. <laughs> I do miss it. You know, it was nice. I think Brian should have kept it, but whatever. It still sounds great. I know there's an answer. I know now, but, and what is the lyric that you have to finish that line? But I have to find it by myself. Okay. But I have to find it by myself. Present tense. Yes. Yes. Interesting. Because I have always heard it as, but I had to find it by myself, past tense. And that 
changes the entire nature of the lyric. Because if it's, I have to find it by myself, we are currently in an active stage of searching for the answer, of seeking the answer. If it's, I had to find it by myself, it was, I know now what the answer is, but I had to find it, you know, on my, I had, I didn't have anyone to help me find it. Whereas someone else who goes looking for that same answer now might have assistance that I didn't have. Right. And it's, but it also, I, yeah, um, you're right. The, the tense matters, but it's also, it's weird that he's, why would he have had to either had or have to find it by my, by himself? Um, is he one of those people who thinks he can do it alone? Right. I mean, it's, it seems to fly in the face. It flies in the face of the first verse. Um, that I know so many people who think they can do it alone. Well, he's now coming along saying, well, I, I have to, I have to do it alone. So is this in response to, is, is this voice responding to the voice mm. in first one or is the I the same I, right? So is the I consistent? I know so many people who think they can do it alone. And now I know there's an answer or is this I different? And he's responding, saying, I think the I is consistent, but the action is different. I think it's when I know so many people who think they can do it alone. I don't think they're searching for answers. I think those people are just living their everyday lives. And the second verse will elaborate on this. I think they're just maintaining whatever existence they have and not really searching for any deeper meaning. So since our narrator is after some deeper meaning that will set him apart from everyone else and he has to go seek out those answers on his own okay but it's an is the answer that he knows there is is that the answer to what can you tell them and what can you say that won't make them defensive Mm, because that's that's the question that's been that's been placed and or is answer kind of just, you know, what, what God only knows, you know? Um, so I, you know, I think, I don't know. That's, I, yeah. That's see, I'm, I'm viewing this much more with the, you know, the text in front of me as it will. It's like, well, the only question that's, that's uh, on it's the table so as far. it were, yeah. right. Is what can you tell them and what can you say that won't make them defensive? So I think the, the, you know, I know, that there's some way to reach out to those people, you know, um, and help them. Right. I know that there's some way to reach out to those people who think they can do it alone. And, and, uh, and, and I know there's an answer to how to get those people out of their safety zones, but I, I, I know there, there, in other words, I know there must be some way, but I need to, but then it's, but I need to find it by myself. So it's like, well, um, why not? Well, that's just um, perpetuating the cycle. Exactly. Right. And why yeah. not ask them? So uh, why not work together try to reach out and get them to, you know, kind of the help, you know, but why do you have to find it by yourself? So, no. um, I'm thinking that the fact that this was, uh, you know, written on a, <laughs> written during a, an acid trip is, is pretty clear. It's, okay. it's you know, I don't because think it's, that the composition the, process happened on an acid trip <laughs> but oh, i think that the idea at least was there <laughs> like okay like john lennon thought of 
I am he as you are he as you are me and we are all together while on acid. But the rest of the song came together later, you know? Very good. All right. That's what I think. And that's a very good segue because I want to talk about the original lyric. So the original lyric to that chorus was, hang on to your ego, hang on to your ego, hang on, but I know that you're going to lose the fight. This is an explicit, or it would have been understood to be an explicit reference to LSD, because one of the hallmarks of an LSD experience was what was called ego death. You lose your sense of self, you immerse yourself in this collect, you're sort of absorbed into this collective consciousness. Okay. And sort of, if we take Western civilization to be founded on the principles of like humanism and individuality and, and independence, you know, a, a lack of codependency with other people, people trying to do it alone, this idea of becoming one with something larger sort of unsettled people and freaked people out. And that's why, well, I guess that was one of the reasons why the drug was treated with such caution. And so the idea of this chorus, hang on, but I know you're going to lose the fight, is that you will eventually give in and surrender to the pull of this psychoactive psychedelic substance. And, and it is the, is the, the verse, the same, is that, does that stay the same or is that, was that changed too? As far as I remember, the verse stays the same. Okay. So that makes a lot more sense. So this is the, the, the chorus is then a direct address to those people. Correct. Correct. So what can you say to them? Hang on to your ego, but I know you're going to lose that fight. But it's a losing right? battle, yeah. Right. So that makes a lot more sense. And of course, so this is where Mike loves um, meddling. Uh, meddling <laughs> hurts the song, right? Okay. <laughs> so that, you know, um, because what's the answer, right? I don't know what the answer is. I know now, but I have to find it by myself, which doesn't. Yeah make then, any sense it doesn't make any the answer, sense then what's the question <laughs> right exactly right um and we have a question but the answer or the the what's being said is the answer um doesn't doesn't really respond aptly to the uh to the question that's been asked yeah. so and i i feel like hang on to your ego is still the proper title of the song <laughs> it just resonates with me more and as a matter of fact, in the Pet Sound sessions and in the process of recording it in the takes, Brian consistently refers to it as let go of your ego, which is the actual act or the actual experience that is pertinent to LSD. <laughs> right. And that's, but that's the answer, right? Yeah. I mean, the, the reason all these people think they can do it alone is because of ego. The reason yeah. they stay in their safety zones is ego, right? Yeah. Um, and the reason they're defensive is ego. So you let go of that and that's going, that, that's going to solve, that's going to answer all the questions that's going to, um, solve your problems, solve the problems. Yeah. 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 Just a side note, another variation that he mentions during the recording process is let go of your libido, which would be something else entirely. (laughs) Um, And just a little background, pertinent background, I think, on LSD, which I read months ago in the London Review of Books, um, that the drug was basically invented by accident by a Swiss chemist named Albert Hoffman. 
and it was 1943. He was trying to create something that I think was, I think he was working on like curing some form of cancer. And he ended up creating this sort of little tab that he then ingested, then put on his tongue. And while he was cycling home, he saw kaleidoscopic visions. So I'm here thinking it's a miracle he made it home. I was going to say, that's probably not <laughs> something you should do right before you ride a bike, for heaven's <laughs> sakes. So in that, and so I just find it interesting that it was also that time frame, like the early 40s, which was when all of these musicians were, all of these people were being mm. born who would then go on to make tremendous use of this substance. Interesting. And it, it does, I think that's probably bad science, I'm thinking, bad b medical research to um, make something and say, eh, I think I'll try it. Well, you know better I mean? that than testing it on other people or animals. I guess. Okay. I don't well, know, you would was think it, it was it peanut butter invented by accident. <laughs> who, who was the one yes. who tasted that? That's right, right, right. But that that probably wasn't created for uh, medicinal purposes only. You know what I mean? So, uh, um, but anyway, all right. So, a little history of of LSD. Yeah. And did uh, did this guy make any money on this? I wonder. Uh, the no, the article didn't mention. <laughs> okay. It wasn't about that. It was in passing. But it was something that I knew I could use later. It was information that I knew would come in handy later. And here we are. There you go. That's 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 smart. Second verse. Oh, Second actually, verse, same, one more oh, thing. Same more as the first. I, no, no, sorry, that's Hermes the Hermits. The there they yeah, are again. Yes, thank you very yes. much. Um, th there is one more thing I want to mention about this chorus, which is that the last chorus is the five, the, the dominant, which then leads back to the tonic, which will lead back to the tonic in the beginning of the next verse. But the idea is that this chord is left, or this, this chord sequence is left unresolved. So we literally have a, a musical open end. There is oh, no answer see. yet. There you go. Okay, I like that. That's good. I just Here realized that now. Okay, see? but that's, I mean, I, I knew what the chord was, but I just right. made that connection now. I love the tambourine. I meant to mention that earlier. Yes, I agree. That's a great pattern that the tambourine is playing. Do you have a list of instruments for this track? Because I forgot to make one. Uh, hold on. Because there's some sort of string instrument that enters on this verse. The thing that's going above the doo-doo-doo-doo. And it's really cool, but I don't know what it is. Yeah. Um, okay. We got baritone, saxophone, bass, guitar, double bass, drums, guitar, two guitars. Glenn Campbell plays guitar on this. Hey. Um, harmonica, keyboards, 
organ, percussion, tambourine, four tenor saxophone players, um, and wow. three vocalists. So that's all I've got. Isn't there a banjo as well? Um, actually, I remember reading that, but that wasn't that. You know, that's not on. Uh, on this listing, um, I think the banjo is what's playing in the background at the bridge once we get there. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Here we go. Drums, percussion, string bass, electric bass, guitars, tack piano, organ, harmonica, tenor saxophones, baritone saxophone. And then they did some overdubbing and Glenn Campbell played, played guitar on the overdub as well. So... Okay. Well, whatever instrument that is, I like it a lot. <laughs> I like how it is slightly dissonant against the rest of the chord. And that will happen in the outro, too. They come on like peaceful. They, they come on like they're peaceful, but inside they're so uptight. Okay, so this is, which makes sense because they, you know, they're, they're hanging on to their ego. Um, yeah, well, and I'm, I'm fascinated by that word uptight because it's one of those words like cleave where its meanings, it has multiple meanings and they're diametrically opposed to one another. It depends on the context. Like as Stevie Wonder did, baby, everything is all right, uptight, meaning good. And here uptight has a negative connotation. So I find yeah, that fascinating that that word can be antonymous things. Yeah, yeah. That this this would I would say is the more common one, the more traditional one. You know, kind of uptight. That's uh, what I thought too. Yes. So, um, you know, it, you know, kind of, they're not free. They're you know, mm -hmm. they're uh, they're conservative. They're yeah, they're, you know, they're, they're yes. and constrained. Yes. And, yeah. Right. Um, they're the the Madison Avenue group, right? Ah. Um. Those folks who uh, you think you know, Don Draper was listening to this no. album <laughs> only only because Megan got him into it because she was the cool oh. one. Right. So then, but then, what I'm surprised by, I'm you know, I don't understand how Mike let this slip by. Yeah, they trip through their day and waste all their thoughts at night. Um, there's no way if you, if you're trying to avoid drug references, yeah. um, or drug meaning, <laughs> right. Unless, okay. Maybe this is, maybe we're viewing it from the other perspective now. Like these people who are, you know, doing all the drugs, you know, appear to be peaceful. They kind of present that front to the world, but they must have all of the same worries and anxieties as the rest of us. Maybe maybe we're in two different perspectives is what I mean. The first verse is from one perspective. They're looking for an answer about these people. And now it's it's this other perspective looking for an answer about those people. Hmm. How would we like, know oh, well, these, that? Well, these people are so tense. Oh, well, you guys are just blissed out all the time. And they, I don't know that. I'm coming up with this right now. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I you know I have no I, definitive way of knowing. I mean, this. I yeah, I think it it's it's looking at the people from the first verse. Um, this seems to make more sense to describe them, right? They're they seem peaceful, 
but they're uptight, right? They, you know, because it's like, hey, I'm just doing it alone. I'm just, you know, just leave me okay, alone. Okay, yeah, like don't worry about um, me. Yeah, right. But they're they're not peaceful, right? They're and they're defensive, right? They're yeah. That up uptightness is another way of expressing their defensiveness. But okay, so they trip through their day and waste all their thoughts at night, which once again, right? Uh, but that doesn't fit in with the rest of the well, description of these people the, the language doesn't right but i think the idea is they're wasting their lives right they by not opening themselves up by hanging on to their ego they just they're just wasting their you know um they're they're wasting their lives away okay, and that's why but- trip here trip is a, a a bad a bad choice it's a bad word choice yeah well, okay, because when I was younger and all the drug stuff went over my head, I heard the lyric and thought, you know, like they tripped through their day, meaning like they're dragging their heels. Like they're just kind of going through life on autopilot or sort of half invested in it. They've got their minds somewhere else most of the time, like disengaged, okay. basically. Right, right. And then I got older and... And the idea that it was a drug song sort of eclipsed everything else. And I started to see everything through that lens. Right. So I'm, I'm confused. Okay. Yeah. I'm confused by, by trip here because it doesn't seem to fit what the message of the song is. Um, Because it's using a word that you would think would be a positive thing in clearly a negative way. Yeah, and a word that has specific ties to other portions of the song, which maybe are not portions that you hear in the final version, but that were there. <laughs> right. And the, right. the basic concept of the song still exists and has not been diminished, has maybe been diluted a little bit, but not eliminated. So, right. I would, you know, yeah, I think this lyric there, is it, way messier than I realized, but <laughs> I still yeah. like and it. And so, it, <laughs> Yeah, it should be slog or some some sort of, you know, just or go through that, yeah. you know, they go through the motions yeah. um all day and waste their right. thoughts at night. And yeah. uh and so, but this is where I would assume, right? Um writing a song that or writing lyrics to a song that where the there where basically the track is done, or not even basically the track is done and you have to fit it in. Mm-hmm. Um um less there's less, there's clearly less flexibility than when you're writing words and music together. I just want to mention that this is the track in which on the Pet Sound Sessions, Brian says at one point they kind of cut off, cut off playing and Brian is talking to one of the musicians and he says, me and this cat will get you straightened out and then we'll have world peace. Okay. <laughs> okay. So there that's you go. where that reference comes up. It's It's not... He doesn't mention that in the recording of let's go away for a while. They sort of make a sound of unrecognition. And he's like, oh, you know what that's from? And he kind of tells them about the the how to speak hip album. He's like, oh, it's great. I just I dig it so much. There so you he, go. <laughs> he waxes poetic about it for a couple minutes and then they get back into recording. Okay, so um, now how can I come on and tell them the way that they uh, the way that they live could be better? Okay, so that's and that's that's clunky. Um, yeah, and tell them is. the way that they live could be better. Okay, um, 
And so once again, right, better how, right? Less defensive, less, uh, um, less autonomous, less um, uh, uptight. Yeah, less individualistic. Yeah, and but but how can how can yeah how can yeah how can we how can I tell somebody that who's uptight who doesn't want to listen who's you know closed off yeah who is not receptive to this right to this larger experience and he knows there's an answer (laughs) (laughs) I guess my whole argument is falling apart. (laughs) Okay. All right. So, uh, um, there's no longer an answer. (laughs) Well, no, there is an answer. He just doesn't know it yet. (laughs) But, but see, this is where, no, there's no answer to why this is my favorite song. Okay. (laughs) But there is still an answer because the music is still unimpeachable, no matter how impeachable the lyric may be. Okay, and 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 when and the reason it is is because Brian didn't change any of that right that remained the way it was i thought you were going to say because brian was hit in the head with a lead pipe (laughs) by a boy named seymour by a boy named seymour but either something seymour or seymour something seymour would grow up to be eaten by a giant venus flytrap so he got his comeuppance in the end (laughs) okay i think you want to listen to an a you want to listen to the uh instrumental on that yeah, yeah. All right. I don't remember. Here we why. go. <laughs> well, hopefully you'll remember it when you hear it. My memory will be jogged. Don't worry. I just think that piano line that piano figure i suppose is really great yes i would agree the attack piano it's it's almost it's it's almost honky-tonk influenced it's got it's got sort of that ragtime jagged edge to it the the, syn- the syncopation i mean mm-hmm. yeah i would i would, I would agree That's so pretty. i like that a lot and it's very pretty yeah and I think I was also listening to it for the way that the, I guess it's a guitar, um, the instrument up top kind of interacts with that figure and with the rest of the instruments. How great is that? That saxophone comes in so hot. He's just like wailing. <laughs> and I see now I could imagine, I can imagine Ella Fitzgerald doing that, making that same, uh, actually, I think she does make that same sound in uh, one of her uh, Tisket, uh, uh, what actually, what, what uh, which song is it? Which recording? Tisket Anyway, but, uh, but I think, no, she rips in. I can in, hear that. Okay. But anyway, yeah. so, yeah, so. Ella, if you're listening, um, you want to come on the show. Um, One of my favorite things that she ever did was, um, I think she was singing How High the Moon. 
Okay. And she goes, this was in the mid sixties, by the way. And she goes into at some point while she's, you know, doing her scatting thing, she goes into a hard day's night. Nice. It's, it's incredible. Everyone goes wild. <laughs> yes. And I remember, Oh, I, it, it's her recording of lady be good. Um, the Gershwin and Gershwin song, lady be good. And she, <laughs> and at one point she goes into a tisket, to tasket and uh, does this thing. It's uh, pretty amazing. So she could, so this is, she should have covered this song. So basically, oh, <laughs> basically Brian should have only hired three tenor sax players <laughs> and Ella. <laughs> And just have her sing this, and I'm sure she could mimic the sounds exactly. And uh, but anyway, that for me, that's the thing that that you know, that's the 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 part that I always remember and look forward to when I when I when I get to this track. It's like, okay. oh, come on, I'm I'm ready for that sax because it's just I just love it. Yeah, and that's a very sparse solo. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you know, it's only a couple notes that he's oscillating between and you've got that's the banjo in the background i thought it was an ukulele at first but it is interesting that banjo isn't mentioned in the list of instruments on the cd or other places that i've seen yeah so yeah but it's a it's a minimalistic jazz solo i suppose it does more with less Right. And there's a part of me that was wondering, is that even a saxophone? You know, I didn't know what it would be, but um, other than a sax, but it just, it's, it's just, it's just such a different or minimalistic sound, whatever. Um, Because I'm thinking that, oh, well, you know, who knows what Brian was doing in the studio. Uh, But, uh, but I just, I just like it so much. Yeah. I like it too. The enthusiasm is palpable. Yes. All right, we've got that triplet at the end of that pre-chorus that distinguishes it from the last time this phrase was uttered. The tambourine at the end, the, you know, under right. the words, the way that they live could be mm-hmm. that triplet is right there. I actually meant to mention the triplets in God Only Knows because the, the vocal arrangement above the very neat kind of quarter notes chords it's all it's always going into triplets that's very that's it's very uneven very angular in the way that that rhythm is structured so brian is no stranger to triplets and actually (laughs) it seems like he's quite fond of them but that's different from the uh brian wilson fall right uh the brian wilson two note fall yes because that's a melodic thing and this is a rhythmic thing Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, and then the chorus comes back, and I think we're still no closer to knowing what the answer is, but it's still a nice chorus. <laughs> or are we closer? What do you think? No. Um, I know there's an answer. Because there's no further um, text. This is our text, you know? Right. Knowing that there's an answer. And and that's and there is a, 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 a certitude about it. It's, you know, it's not, I know there must be an answer. Right. right, which would be more tenuous. So there's an answer. 
Um, I, I, I know now, but I have to find it by myself. And yeah. I guess, how does he know now? What's, what's happened? What? Yeah, I know now. Right. As opposed to, yeah, when was before? Right. And, yeah. you know, um, is it before the drugs, before the trip? Um, but once again, that's not in this, you know, um, Version. yeah, th this, yeah, this you have lyric to have the context <laughs> to <laughs> yeah. superimpose yeah. So really, yeah, onto right. this lyric and then realize that the new lyric doesn't work, um, without that superimposition. Yeah. Nice going, Mike. Right. You um, wrecked it. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I fear he did. Speaking to something you said about, um, about that certitude, you know, and instead of something like, I know there must be an answer. In some relatively recent interview, uh, I, I think actually it was when, uh, I'm talking about Paul McCartney, when he was, I think it was when he was on Colbert, on The Late Show, where he was talking about artists who have covered yesterday. And he says that, you know, a, a lot of them will say, you know, I must have said something wrong in the bridge. Right. And he's like, no, take responsibility. The lyric <laughs> is, I said something wrong. <laughs> and I mean, I am all for powerful men taking, like holding themselves accountable for things. <laughs> That's excellent. However, I do think there's a slight hole in this particular logic because the line immediately preceding it is why she had to go. I don't know. She wouldn't say. <laughs> So you can't come to the definitive conclusion that you said something wrong. See, but if Paul wants to hold himself accountable, I will not far be it from me to stand in his way. <laughs> yes. Live your best and... life, Maka. <laughs> but here we um, have none of that. Right. I mean, we have that clarity, but once again, <laughs> whence does it come? <laughs> right, right. Um so okay, let's just uh so if it if um they come on like they're peaceful, but inside they're so uptight, they trip through their day and waste all their thoughts at night. Now, how can I come on and tell them the way that they live could be better? Hang on to your ego, but I know you're gonna lose that fight. That see, that makes more sense. That does make right? more sense. Because it just it's just reiterating what was said in in you know the the um, verse one and uh, chorus one, right? Namely that you think you can do this, but you can't. And um, the way that you can live better is to uh, realize that hanging on to your ego is not the answer. It is what's holding you back. Yeah. Exactly. I wonder how, if the song had survived the band in its original form, how the capital people would have reacted to it. See, I, I must admit, I, 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 and I, you know, I sent you an, uh, a message earlier saying, why is hold on to your ego a drug thing, right? Because I, I, I don't necessarily make that connection. And in the very next year, I believe, is when uh, um, Don't Sleep in the Subway comes out and ego is mentioned in that song. Okay. Right. And I'm not thinking that it has anything to do with drugs there. It's just, you know, um, don't, uh, what's the lyric? Um, 
Because I was, I was hoping that this would be early. I was hoping that uh, Don't Sleep in the Subway was earlier, but it's not. Okay. Um, don't sleep. You try okay. to be smart, then you take it to heart because it hurts when your ego is deflated. You don't realize that it's all a compromise and the problems are so overrated. So, um, yeah. Okay, Whose song I, is that? I, um, it, this is Petula Clark, um, but okay. it's uh, Tony Hatch. Um, and Yvonne Harvey wrote it. Hmm. You don't know Don't Sleep in the Subway? No. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yes. You've, you, you've, you've got a... Um, sorry, I've just assumed you, uh, you knew it. Um, huge hit for uh, Petula Clark. Um, okay. And covered by a whole bunch of, once again, a whole bunch of people. Um, not of her generation, necessarily. Mm -hmm. Although she's, I guess... And older, but anyway, um, so I was kind of hoping that, but so as a capital suit, I'm thinking, I don't know much about drug culture. Yeah. That's what um, I was, I would, I would wonder if it would go over their heads. Yes. And I think it would, they may say, well, it's kind of a silly name for a song. Um, you know, they may argue that or, or kind of saying, well, I don't, I don't <laughs> get it. This isn't single um, material. Retro. <laughs> But I don't think they would object to it for for drug uh, for drug reasons. Okay, that that's me yeah, projecting for, for a statement that it may or may not for, make. Right, but I'm thinking that if 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 uh, and I'm assuming this wasn't released as a single. Is that correct? Correct. Okay, um, and but I think that um, a capital suit would like the fact that oh okay good to hear Al. You know, good to hear Al. Yeah. Good, you know, and 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 yeah, uh, um, Brian and 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 Mike. So it sounds good, and and that's one thing I don't understand what you're talking about. But there you go. Um, we're we're okay with this track, or it's we, it's yeah. We we green light this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I've I've always argued that you know there's the uh, the theory, the literary theory of the ideal reader. Right, I think it's Wolfgang Eser. I think. Uh, oh yeah. Um, but anyway, I it always also thought seems like that a Roland Bart thing, because um, he's got the uh, author, like the death of the author. Right, but this, yeah. So the but the ideal reader is the is the one who gets everything, right? Mm. And I always felt that in some ways, right, the really good censor is the ideal reader, right, the one who um, is quote unquote hip enough to get everything to understand um, every reference and to understand every reference and then therefore object to it. Right. And can catch mm. it. Right. But it's because to some degree, a sensor, a good sensor has to be, um, has to, has to know stuff. Right. And has yeah. to be aware of things because if you're just, you know, if it's just the, Oh, the older generation, whatever. Right. Well, okay. You're, you're, you're old enough to be a sensor, um, you know, to hold that position. But if you're listening to stuff made by younger people or, or people different from you and you don't understand what they're saying, you really can't object to it. Right. Right. So, so I always, you know, kind of, I, I picture the, uh, the sensor, um, the good sensor, right? The really, the you know, the and by good I mean this, you know, the one that catches everything. That's the there's your ideal listener. There's your ideal reader, um, because they understand it all, and then can say, well, you can't say that because it means this. It's like, oh, 
darn. Because um, so often what you want to do is what the artist wants to do is evade, elude the censor. So anyway. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I always think about how arbitrary radio censorship is because they'll object to certain words but it's really more about for for the censors it's more about the words than the context so right. you can hear a phrase that is more objectionable or or is more loaded or more political or whatever than a phrase that is censored but you hear it because it's it doesn't have any vulgar language in it for example right <laughs> which is right. So or even stupid <laughs> Yes. Well, think about, right? Didn't you say that, that uh, you know, that, uh, Brian got pushed back for God only knows because of yeah. God, the word God. Yeah, because of the word God. Um, and you listen to and that and say... censored for, like, hell and damn and things like that. Right, right. And without, the, you know, without the larger context, right? Because there's absolutely nothing objectionable to God only knows, right? right? Um, and... Um, cause it was, it was a phrase in common use and, and that sort of thing. And, and so, um, um, shout out to smart censors, if you will, um, you know, censors who, uh, object, <laughs> object to things because they, uh, understand them, not just, uh, um, what knee jerk reactions to a, a word or right. without, without the larger context. So not Although that I'm, I'm smartest... not artist. Yeah. Although the smartest censorship is no censorship at all. Exactly. Yes. Real quickly. I'm not arguing for censorship. I'm just <laughs> yeah. theoretically, theoretically speaking that a really, a, a, the, 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 the censor with a, you know, capital C, the uh, yeah. platonic ideal of a censor. Big censorship. Um, that's right. Is, is smart, is a smart listener or a smart reader. That's all I'm saying. And the the ideal reader, the ideal listener, because everything is everything is comprehended. There you go. Exactly. Yeah, but I mean, I've even talked about this with you know other with my peers, other people of my generation, and that's you know when something is censored, you know, with the goal or the aim of keeping it from you, that makes you more likely to go seek it out and figure oh, out yeah. what it is. Like, oh, what's mm. what's that lyric that was bleeped out? Right, and no that doubt about your curiosity more from a very, very young age. So yes, the the best the best way to draw attention to something is for have to have somebody say, "Oh, you shouldn't, uh, don't, yeah, you shouldn't, shouldn't, shouldn't see that." And that's why, and I would hear all these songs when I was young, and it would take years for me to understand what they were about. <laughs> because I'd just be listening to them and think, okay, like that's what the words. I wouldn't give any thought to the lyrics. Like, what does that mean? I'm just hearing them. It's like, okay, that's that's what that song is. That's the song. Like. That's the song, yeah. And then I'd grow up and be like, oh, this is about sex. Because Newsflash, that's what they're all about. <laughs> they're all about sex. All right. I think it's time for the, is it the last segment? The last segment. Take us home. My note for this section just says "dooby dooby doo" comment. 
Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> I got it. Because I, I looked into that too. I thought of that too. But um, do, 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 do. <laughs> but it it there's the the time the the chronology doesn't work. Oh, really? Yes. Strangers in the Night. Right. Wasn't released until until May '66. Okay. So the and it was recorded in April. Um, and he was at reprise. So it's not even like, oh, well, he was recording at the same time, same, you know, at Capitol, yeah, at Capitol just like yeah. the Beach Boys. Right. So, um, yeah. So I want to, you know, I, I, I had thought exactly the same thing, mm -hmm. um, but, uh, it just doesn't work because it was recorded in April, April 11th, 66 released May 66. I really wanted because I when I heard yeah. that I'm thinking, um, ooh, nice, nice illusion kind of or whatever, yeah, right? For the hat, but, but no. it's not, you know, a, a parody or whatever. Yeah, but, um, if only if, if, if only, only they had been released in that order. But no. exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, that's why that's you know. So, but I'm glad you brought it up because I think it's. Uh, um, it works, and it it is the uh, it's the anniversary of of the song as well. And I also just love the way that the that sort of instrumental interlude, the kind of noodly thing that leads us from that section, because that section ends very abruptly. And I think that's oh, so well, why, why they were why they were singing why why they were doing dooby dooby doo and he does dooby dooby doo. No idea. Well, I love I love the way it sounds because it's almost an afterthought. <laughs> Mike is yes. like do be do be do like he doesn't even land on the downbeat. Right. <laughs> it, it kind of like fades over into the next measure. It's very funny, I think. <laughs> yes, and you could imagine it being that sort of primes us for the fact that the song is about to end, like that we're about to go into an outro, and it's not just continuing because the right. way like. That also that that same sort of thing happened when we went into the bridge, but this time it's a very distinct cutoff, and then the sort of noodly section comes back in hesitantly, leading us eventually to the outro. So I I, just, I like the way that that sounds because you don't know. Once again, with Brian as a composer, it's very much we're into this chord land that I'm not really sure where we are and how are you going to get us back home. It's like being in the passenger seat with someone at the wheel who you have no idea what they're thinking. <laughs> but Brian always oh. gets us back home like a responsible and, right. driver slash composer. Yes. And this is safer. Yeah. And it, yeah, there's less, there's less chance of bodily harm. That outro is probably a third of the reason that I like this song as much as I do. 
that's a perfect outro. It's like a Rube Goldberg machine. All of these parts moving and feeding into each other at the same time, it's harmonious. I love that. And not all of the notes sound like they belong all the time. And yet, it all seems to fit together like a beautiful puzzle. Cool. I love that outro. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. All right. And um, I I appreciate this song. So you you've real quickly, you've done what I've asked. And I what have. I asked earlier. Yes. Um, <laughs> and my beef is uh, is with the uh, with the changed lyrics. Lyric. Yeah. Um, and, and I object uh, to the changed lyrics more now than I used to. Okay, so I've 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 accomplished something too. This is a great episode. All right. Um, <laughs> well, because I wasn't really when I was thinking about how much I like the song, I was thinking of it more from a musical perspective. Certain lyrics, certain lines jumped out at me, but I was paying more attention to the instrumentation. So right. when I think of the lyric now consciously, I realize how many problems there are with it in its final form. I know now, but I have to find it by myself. No, makes no sense. Yeah. And it doesn't even, it's not even a good translation. It's, you know, it's not, you know, of uh, hang on to your ego, but you're, you know, you're going to find out that that doesn't work or whatever. whatever no, it's not is. just a, because it's not just another way of saying it. It's saying right, it's exactly. completely different. Right. And, and so I'm, I'm trying to figure out what they were, what, Mike was trying to do and Mike was it's like I just want to get rid of the drug reference um but he also guts the song he uh, or guts the integrity of the song guts the yeah. uh the argument of the song guts the yeah the, the thesis the, of the song yes there you go he muddles the thesis oh there you go it's now just a rambling paper Right. So now it sounds like somebody's on drugs, right? Because it's like, well, that doesn't make any sense at all. Um, there you go. It was oh. show, don't tell. <laughs> That's there you go. That's how we need to look at it. It was don't don't tell us about the drugs. Demonstrate, simulate the experience of being on drugs. <laughs> but didn't you just say something different uh, a second ago? Yeah. Anyway. So, um, I still like it. I still like that saxophone. Yeah. Um, oh, it's a great saxophone. And uh, but uh, but it it lyrically it doesn't it doesn't make sense. Well, maybe if you stopped hanging on to your ego, it would That's make true. more sense. Yeah, I'm very much in my safety zone. I'll ag I'll agree. You know, um, and if you uh, if you say that uh, I need to open my mind, I'll be defensive. So yeah, I, I'm I'm that guy. Awesome. So, I come on I, I come on peaceful, but I'm, I'm but so inside tight. you're uptight. Yes, I like that lyric. They isolate their heads. I always yes. really like. Yeah, that no, sound, you're right. I thought that was yeah, cool. yeah, and and and. Because I, I, you know, once again, uh, uh, you know, change the ch change the chorus back, right? Or don't change yeah. the chorus to begin with, um, and it works. Um, and and I I do like the I knows I knows, um, but but yeah, they isolate their heads and stay in their safety zones is a really good line. Yes, agreed. Mike and Al are really stretching the limits of their range on those lines too. 
because they're kind of way down low and then they go up high at the mm-hmm. beginning of the next line. Mm-hmm. So I, I like the way it sounds too. I like the way the melody yes. cooperates with the lyric there. I think that's cool. Yeah. And this goes, I think way back when, uh, when we first started this, I, uh, um, I think I mentioned that this is kind of an interesting experience for me, an experiment for me, because I tended not to pay much attention to Beach Boy lyrics, mm-hmm. right? That um, they were the things that the harmonies hung on, right? And the way I could join in, right, singing these singing these lyrics, but I never really thought about them the way I, I thought of, I think about most other bands I like. Um, and so now I'm, I'm appreciating what, what, you know, what the lyricists were doing. Um, but also I'm holding them to a standard that's, well, you know what, that just doesn't, that doesn't work. Yeah. I mean, there's just so much going on right in every song that it's hard to, if, if you don't know where to begin, it's hard to begin. It's hard to True. say, well, how am I going to experience this on a more sophisticated level? Right. And the fact that Brian, you know, did, I don't think Brian ever considered himself a lyricist. Right. Um, you know, whereas most of my other favorite songwriters and or singer songwriters um, viewed themselves as lyricists. So that's also that's what makes this an interesting experience for me because i am um i've always enjoyed the music right i've always enjoyed this album um listening to this album but i didn't engage in this level of uh, my usual level of analysis because i sort of i frequently didn't understand what they were saying or it really didn't matter right but so this is changing my perspective on the Beach Boys. Um, any any final notes on this track? No, I think I've yammered on enough uh, um, <laughs> my, <laughs> in this episode. Um, so no, I wouldn't say I'm, you I'm, yammered. Okay, thank I you. I think you did the perfect amount of talking. Excellent. Well, thank you. Um, and I, 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 I uh, now have heard things in the, in the, uh, arrangement of this song that I did not before. So thank you, Cecilia. Oh, of course. And thank you listeners, uh, for, uh, stopping in with us. And I hope you, uh, have been enjoying this and, and, uh, feel free to comment. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you want more of. Tell you, tell us what you want less of. Yeah, tell us if you like this song as much as I do. There you go. My prediction is probably not. (laughs) Because I'm the only one I know who likes this song as much as I do. (laughs) Tell us if you like the original lyric more than Mike Love does. Yes. Till next episode. Hang on to your egos, everyone. That's right. But don't let go of your ego. That's right. Because Because you're going to find you're going to find happiness. That's right, because you're going to lose that fight if you try and hang on to your ego. So here today is the next episode. Yeah, I'm excited for that one, too. I'm excited for every episode. I don't know why uh, I continue I, to feel the need to say that. <laughs> but it is an excellent song, and I'm, I'm looking forward to discussing it. 
And so until then, until here today, I'm Gil. And I'm Cecilia. Thanks so much for listening to Pod Sounds. We're glad you're here. Subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. You can find us on Insta at pod underscore sounds underscore podcast. You can find me at CM Giglio, and you can find Gil at CT Halfwit. I've been your co-host and producer, Cecilia Gelati. See you soon.